0: Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. So before we get into the football show, we are talking NBA finals. The um, Cavs and Golden State Warriors are into game 3 this evening. So it's uh, 2-0 to the Golden State Warriors, 124 to 114 after overtime in game 1. And then game two, 122-103. So we are back in Cleveland this evening, about 2 a.m. Irish time. Cleveland at home to Golden State. And a 2-0 lead is not good. No team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit to win a playoff series. Even LeBron said, we are facing a tall task right now. The Warriors are going for their second straight title, third in four years. We have the Ringers' John Gonzalez on the line. John, you're very welcome.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. No, thanks for joining us. So... Um, Games one and two went the way of the Warriors. Have they been convincing winners? I know the first game went to overtime.
1: Yeah, the first game was actually uh, close and tight and entertaining, and then J.R. Smith intervened Mm. and made it the opposite of those things. Uh, Game two was the Warriors the entire way. So uh, as you mentioned, the Cavs have some work to do here in Cleveland starting tonight, and if they don't, this series is going to be over. Uh,
0: you mentioned J.R. Smith. I see lots of things on Twitter um, when I don't catch the um, uh, games, but I see lots of things of. I think I saw it was it was some kind of it was like an otter carrying her uh, four children on her back today, <laughs> and uh, the line was, "Is that LeBron?" And I think it got a bit a billion uh, retweets. It's,
1: yeah.
0: it's not too much of an exaggeration to effectively say uh, this team is completely about LeBron, and he is literally carrying the other four, whoever they are, on the court at any given one time.
1: Yeah, I would probably make uh, a small exemption for Kevin Love. But you're right about the rest of the team, and that's been true all season long. Before the trade deadline, after the trade deadline, uh, he's been the guy that's, that's marshaled them all season long. And certainly in the playoffs. I mean, they wouldn't have gotten out of the series against uh, Indiana, they wouldn't have beat the Pacers. They were fine against the Raptors, and then they wouldn't have gotten past the Celtics either. So uh, that they've gotten this far has everything to do with LeBron and that team. Is, the rest of that team, save Kevin Love, again, is is really not good.
0: Really? Okay. So they, I mean, just yeah. just like how are they in such a bad state? Then,
1: uh, you know, pre-trade deadline when they when they moved Kyrie Irving in the offseason uh, because Kyrie didn't want to be there anymore. The irony here is that the guy that they missed the most is the guy that they traded away. I mean, they had Kyrie Irvin. He'd be perfect. They need some offense. He's excellent for that. And, uh, they got rid of him and that's a real, that's a real shame. But, uh, roster construction wise, they had to shake it up at the trade deadline. They just didn't do a very good job of it on paper. I thought that Rodney hood would be good. He hasn't been George Hill has been hit or miss. Jordan Clarkson has been horrendous. And then beyond that, Larry Nance has been probably a net zero. So, uh they've relied a lot on the guys that they've already had and it hasn't gone very well
0: to sum up uh, give people a sense of what lebron is doing so say take game one for instance of their 114 points lebron weighs in with 51 of them so 45 yeah. percent of their points are lebron i think most um bookies over here had done like an over under would it be 34.5 or not and he comes in with 51 it's his eighth 40 point game during the playoff run so that ties uh Jerry West's feet, I think, in 65 for the most in a single postseason. Uh, he's doing miraculous things, really, LeBron. And you mentioned J.R. Smith there. So, I mean, the, um, I mean, there's a picture of LeBron just turning to J.R. Smith in exasperation, <laughs> as in, like, I don't even understand what has just happened here. What did J.R. Smith do?
1: Uh, I don't think J.R. Smith – he's changed his story so many times <laughs> that, uh, you know, I was in the locker room afterwards, and he said that he knew that they were tied – but he kind of then threw LeBron under the bus and said, "Well, I was waiting for LeBron to call a timeout, so the, you know, I guess he was implying that that was LeBron's fault." Hmm. But then afterwards, he said, "Well, I'm not sure what I knew," uh, and he's he's kind of like oscillated back and forth, and that's perfectly J.R. Smith, right? Like J.R. Smith saying, "I'm not sure what I knew" is is excellent.
0: Okay, that's like his Twitter bio, uh, effectively. On I'm J.R. Smith at much Yeah, he, basically. He, he basically so he basically got the ball and just ran down the clock
1: when they were tied. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, on the one hand, somebody in the media mentioned this to JR, kind of throwing him a lifeline. Mm. He got that rebound that you wouldn't have expected because KD didn't box out. So he did do a great thing and set them up for a chance to potentially get a shot off. But then he undid everything completely by just running out the clock Mm. and running towards the sideline, which was such a manic, weird play I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. I guess LeBron could have called a timeout. Ty Lue could have called a timeout. But if I were them, I would have been shocked to see JR doing all of it. So in the in the moment, <laughs> I think your brain has a, a hard time processing what the hell he was doing.
0: Uh, you mentioned game two was a fairly dominant Warriors performance. Steph Curry set an NBA Finals record for the most three-pointers, so he's still doing his thing.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I think this is really interesting. So the entire time I've been on with you and then basically the entire time I've been covering the finals, we've done nothing but talk about the Cavaliers and LeBron who are down 0-2. And then we get to the, the Warriors and we go, oh, yeah, they're up 2-0. Steph Curry just set a record. Yeah. Things are fine. They've somehow managed to make being really good really boring.
0: Yeah. Are the new, uh, and, and So like the neutrals watching? Are they so boring that the neutral are almost kind of thinking, ugh, these guys, they're just um a bit bland, kind of good, and we want the Cavs to come back and win here, or is there a clear divide amongst general NBA watchers?
1: That's a that's a great question. I think that there's some fatigue here too that we have to factor in. Like it's their fourth time that they've played in a yeah. row in the finals, and I know a lot of people who follow me or listen to our, our stuff at the at the ringer and on the NBA show, they were just sort of like hey, something new would be nice. They yeah. were rooting for the Rockets or maybe the Celtics or maybe both. And so here we are once again with uh, Warriors and Cavs. And, yeah, I think that mm. you look at it and you go, all right, they're down two zero. It's more of the same. We're probably headed for a Warriors win unless LeBron pulls off something mirac- miraculous. And yeah. that can be kind of tiring.
0: Yeah. So Steph Curry with another three-pointer isn't exactly going uh, <laughs> to blow people's yeah. minds. So the Cavs yeah. are at home this evening. Uh, it's do-or-die territory, as I mentioned at the outset. Nobody has come back from a, a 3-0 deficit. Are people giving the Cavs a chance here to whatever about come back across the uh, the finals? Uh, they must have a reasonable chance of winning this evening, given that it is do-or-die.
1: Yeah, they have a chance. I, I think any time that you have LeBron James, you have a chance. They've also played much, much better at home mm-hmm. uh, all season long and then certainly in the playoffs. Uh, if the Warriors win, like you said, it's, it's a wrap all of a sudden. But the Cavs have a shot. I think LeBron comes out tonight and and we're going to get probably more of what we saw from LeBron in game one than game two. In game two, he tried to be more of a facilitator. I don't think that's going to work. I think he really needs to take over the game and dominate it for the Cavs to have a chance. And he probably realizes that. So,
0: I mean, you know, LeBron loves Cleveland and everything, but you can only keep this going for so long and uh, put your chances of at winning NBA finals at, uh, at such a at, uh, risk for so long. So uh, he enters free agency this summer and he's been kind of, there's been murmurings about that and it seems even he's decided enough is enough or do we know? Is he definitely leaving? Is he likely to leave? Where are we with um, his future across the summer?
1: I'd be shocked. I I know that you guys have probably like a ton of Cleveland viewers and listeners. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this delicately. We have literally no. Who wants to stay in Cleveland? Cleveland? <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> you got to get out of Cleveland. He's got. I mean, how much? Honestly, you, if you spent five seconds in Cleveland, you've seen the whole town. He's been here for a while. He brought them a championship. It's time to go. If I were him, I would be the second the playoffs are done. I'd have the moving vans and the boxes and I'd have everything packed up and off. I'd go.
0: But why did he move back then?
1: I think that he felt some obligation. I mean, he is from the area. He's from Akron, which is not far. Mm. Um, He didn't leave on good terms. That whole decision thing wasn't uh, expertly executed. He won a championship, uh, two championships in Miami, and thought, okay, I've got those under my belt. Let's see if I can bring one back to Cleveland. It was a good storyline. He ended... He hadn't had a championship of any sort in any sport here for 52 years. So he he came back and he did that and he's a hero. And now I think this time if he leaves again, there's not going to be any hard feelings. So that's why I think he's gone.
0: Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Trump continues to involve himself in this whole uh, arena. So LeBron, James and Steph Curry have uh, made it very clear that neither side will be visiting the White House when they go on to win. And um, Curry was talking about the situation involving the Eagles as well. So what's going on there, exactly? Who's been saying what?
1: Yeah, I was uh, at practice yesterday. And not surprisingly, uh, they were asked, a lot of the players were asked about the situation with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm from Philly. It was uh, an interesting point for me. Mm. And uh, the NBA has been very much unlike the NFL, at the fore of speaking about these societal issues, about racial and social inequality. and. The players to a man from LeBron to Steph to KD and then also uh, Steve Kerr addressed it and said, yeah, we're we're probably not going to go. It doesn't surprise us that the Eagles were disinvited because they stood up to him. Mm. And uh, I I would I would bet my guess is that there won't be an NBA team that goes to the White House until he's gone. Mm.
0: Is there any comparable uh, parallel with this situation politically in American sports history where so many teams are turning down invites from the president to go to the White House? It, has it happened, and I think, even remotely approaching this scale down the years?
1: Never, never. I, I can't remember any team refusing to go ever, let alone multiple teams, let alone a league basically speaking out mm. uh, against the president of the United States, let alone now trickling over to the NFL where they were trying to sort of Um, bulwark themselves and insulate themselves from this issue with their new anthem policy, but they ended up making a bigger hash of it. Mm. And even today, Malcolm Jenkins from the Eagles, uh, they had a media availability in Philadelphia, and instead of speaking to the media, he just held up a bunch of cards and placards with messages on it uh, to continue this message that, you know, there needs to be more of a dialogue and not less.
0: Right, okay. Uh, By the way, just in passing, I'm jealous when you talk about being in the locker rooms after matches you guys get such amazing (laughs) access. I mean, is that often where you get the best stuff when adrenaline is still pumping and like half of them are naked, half of them are just, you know, it just seems like um, it's hard to even imagine that happening say in the Premier League over in this part of the world or any sport in this part of the world. It used to happen in our national games, in Gaelic games here, but even, and that's amateur level, even that has long stopped. Uh, It's quite an amazing thing that you still get to go into the locker room in the immediate aftermath of of a game.
1: I didn't know that they don't let you into the locker room if, uh, in the Premier League. I didn't know. Oh that. no! Like, and it's never happened in
0: the Premier League. Premier League. I'm wow. in, imitating your accent. It's never happened. Um, <laughs> ever, ever, it's ever. Pretty good. It's yeah, good. yeah. So um, no, no. There's never, yeah. there's never been that tradition of in the locker room, in the dressing room, getting that access to players. Like it's even been a big deal that occasionally they have like a, a camera in the corner now in rugby but it just shows a select few seconds pre-match where they might be in a huddle and no sound, absolutely. Uh, over here, the, the locker room is almost sacred. Nothing, nothing comes in.
1: Fascinating. Yeah, on the one hand, like you said, you do get a lot of really good stuff uh, by just talking to guys on the side. But on the other hand, it is sort of awkward for everybody. As you mentioned, uh, that's is their place where they're showering <laughs> and getting ready. And like nobody, like who wants to be around somebody while they're getting dressed? Like I... Never interview somebody while they're getting dressed. I always wait. Uh, most people wait. Sometimes you'll get some knuckleheads who don't understand the protocol and they'll try to interview somebody as they're like coming out of the shower. Mm. That's generally a, a bad idea. Uh, but invariably, even if you don't get guys in the locker room, getting them, you know, courtside or in the interview rooms or in the hallway, uh, they're usually pretty good about it. But yeah, it's it's a it's a hit or miss thing.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's an amazing uh, situation actually, but in comparison with over here, so. Long may it continue, and you should appreciate it. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing.
1: So uh, are you going to Game 3 this evening? I'll, I'll be there. I'll be Game 3, Game 4, and then uh, we'll see what happens. If the series continues, it's back to San Francisco. And if not, uh, I live in L.A., it'll be back to L.A.
0: Okay, very good. Listen, uh, pleasure having you on. John Gonzalez from The Ringer, which everybody should be uh, checking out. Thanks very much, John.
1: Thanks for having me. Off the Ball.
0: Find us on Twitter
1: at OffTheBall. News Talk 106 to 108.